0: That's the best way to start. Just go, shit! We didn't write an intro.
1: I was trying to think of jokes for leprechauns, but it came up short.
0: <gasps> oh, <laughs> that was a sneaky one! <laughs> oh my goodness! You know what? You usually when you tell them, you have sort of a uh, like a reader voice mm-hmm. that shows that you're you're reading the joke. That one was so smooth and so natural. <laughs> I didn't even see it coming.
1: It was the narcolepsy. <laughs> Very <laughs> time. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, uh, according to the joke that I uh, guess is going to serve as our intro, <laughs> this episode is the long talked about <laughs> leprechaun episode.
1: We've built it up. It's not going to be great. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's, it's, yeah, so we don't want to oversell this. Uh, it hasn't been a long time coming because it's going to be a really amazing episode. It's just when we started writing the episode, we were writing it separately, mm-hmm. if you remember. Yeah. And I sent you a message and I was like, hey, So we have to make sure we're not, like, culturally insensitive or have any jokes that might offend people. And you were like, okay, so I can't do the episode. I don't have anything. (laughs) Like, you had to scrap everything you had written. Yeah. But we've talked about it since then. Mm -hmm. Because that was, like, the main challenge with this episode was there is actually a very specific vision of a leprechaun that we have. Mm -hmm. And then there's, like, the Irish leprechaun. What we know of as a leprechaun is Mm -hmm. so not real. So we were like, okay, before we offend anybody... Let's make sure we do this right. So, So in the the interim, what have you changed about your research?
1: (laughs) Um, I have no
0: jokes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's not true. You had that one joke in the very beginning. Yeah. That was pretty good. Yeah. I spent a little bit of time uh, talking to Emma over at Real Life Ghost Stories because she's Irish. I was like, what do you know about leprechauns? What do you think about them as an Irish person? Uh, pretty much she was just like, eh, we don't bother with them. <laughs> that was pretty much what it amounted to. Like, yeah, don't care. And that actually jives quite a lot. Because my family, like yours, mm-hmm. is Irish-American. Yeah. And my grandmother has very strong ties to her Irish heritage. And she told me about leprechauns as a kid. But it was like, not... Um, she didn't tell me the stuff that we learn as Americans about American leprechauns. She was just like... Don't make deals with leprechauns. (laughs) Don't- The
1: pertinent information as a child. (laughs) Yeah. yeah.
0: (laughs) Like, hey, if a leprechaun's on the playground and he offers you some candy in a van, don't do it. (laughs) Uh, But also she said, like, if we find fairy rings, Uh like rings of mushrooms, don't play in them. Stuff like that. Uh, But that's, I mean, that was the extent of it. Yeah. So the big question, I think, is what are leprechauns? Are you asking me? Yeah.
1: Um. All I know is all the Leprechaun movies. With and...
0: Warwick Davis? Yes. Those are magic. I love them.
1: Oh, they're wonderful. I love um Leprechaun in Las Vegas. Yeah. It's one of my favorite movies.
0: My favorite one is uh, Leprechaun, Lep in the Hood. No. Lep in the Hood and Up to No Good. <laughs> That's my favorite one.
1: Oh, we've already offended so many people.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then they made uh, two reboots there was one with the wrestler Hornswoggle. Yeah. Which was terrible. Yeah. And then there was the the most recent remake, which is supposed to be a direct sequel to the first one.
1: Which we watched uh, 20 minutes of.
0: But then the kids came home and we were like, you can't watch this. There's murder. I was just so happy. <laughs> you were so happy. I'm going to watch it tomorrow. I should have watched it prior to recording <laughs> this, but I didn't think of it till just now. Professionalism. So, when we think, as Americans, when we think of leprechauns, um, I don't know about you, but I think of St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. And that's usually, you know, green top hat, green jacket. Yeah. Skipping around. Joyfully. You know, I think that's pretty much the, the American image of a leprechaun. Yeah. What about, like, folklore? What do you know about, like, the folklore? Like, if you had to describe leprechauns as someone who'd never heard of it, what would you tell them about it?
1: Um... Little men who wear green and who have pots of gold.
0: Right. That pretty much covers it, I think. <laughs> well, some of the basic folklore is, like you said, they are small people. They're part of a larger group of fairies called the little folk or little people. Mm-hmm. And they usually are dressed in green, sometimes red in some stories. Huh. They're usually shown to be old men uh, that have a big red beard. <laughs> and... Uh, They sometimes will have a leather apron, um, like a smoking pipe. Um, Sometimes they have a pointed cap. Sometimes they have a top hat. Sometimes they have a bowler hat. Uh, They're usually. Are
1: are they small Santas?
0: (laughs) What? Oh, because of the apron?
1: Yeah, and like the, the red jacket and the beard.
0: That's a real stretch. I think like yeah, the beard, the jacket, the apron. I mean, it's all there. It's basically Santa Claus. <laughs> That's a big stretch. Well, and they usually are cobblers or shoemakers,
1: toy makers. They're okay. in the same. They're in the same company. Just That's different true. Because like,
0: if you go up town to Brown's Shoes, they have a bunch of wooden horses and dolls <laughs> in there as well.
1: But we do have an old timey toy store in town, so they might. No be shoes in, in the store
0: though, so I think there's no connection whatsoever.
1: I think. Shut up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you see that like in the Leprechaun movies, mm-hmm. he's obsessed with shoes. And yep. that's actually a part of how they distract him is they just throw a bunch of shoes at him. Do you? And he stops to wash them.
1: Do you think he has a foot fetish?
0: Ooh, yeah, definitely. Ew. <laughs> yeah. Wait, do you mean the Leprechaun or Warwick Davis?
1: I mean, I imagine both.
0: You would imagine both? Yeah. Warwick Davis has won an Academy Award. How dare you? So?
1: win an Academy <laughs> Award on taking pictures of feet. Yeah.
0: <laughs> So Warwick Davis aside, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: normally the the main, you know, like you were saying, there's the pot of gold and there's the rainbow and the pot of gold is normally at the end of the rainbow. For some reason. For some reason. And basically what I know about them is if you catch one, if you're smart enough to catch one, or uh, if you steal, they usually will have like a magical ring or a magic amulet or a coin or something. If you get a hold of that or if you catch them, you can sort of barter with them for their freedom.
1: Wait, question. Yeah, how do you catch one? Is it like those cat things that, like, you pull down, like the the cat cages that you buy? Oh,
0: you mean like the like a like an animal trap? Yeah. So remember when I said you had to be clever enough to catch one? <laughs> I Wait, think just think... setting out like a raccoon trap might not be clever enough. Or do
1: you think it's like the ooh a piece of candy from Family Guy? <laughs> or do you just run into him and like hug him? You like you bear hug him? No, that's
0: literally how they caught him in the first Leprechaun movie. Is they trick him into going into a box? And then they just, like, catch him, and they put a, um, he puts a four-leaf clover on top of the box, because apparently that has power over them for some reason. That's terrible. <laughs> what I like is it's 60 years or something like that passes before the new people come to the house and mm-hmm. find the Necronomicon and read from th- I mean, uh, find the crate <laughs> and remove. And he brushes the um, four-leaf clover off the crate, and that's how he's able to escape the crate.
1: There hasn't been wind?
0: Well, it's in, it's in a cellar. So there's no wind.
1: I but stand by. <laughs> why
0: is that four-leaf clover still there after 60 years? It didn't like div- it didn't like fall apart or decay or anything. Magic. I think it's just that that movie might be crappy.
1: Yeah, that's fair.
0: But yeah, if you catch one, if you're smart enough to, I don't know how you catch them. Uh, I probably would have done it already if I knew <laughs> how to do that. Uh, But you can barter their freedom for a wish or treasure or something like that. Normally, people go, oh, tell me where your pot of gold is. I think there's so much more you could get from a magical creature than just money.
1: Yeah. That
0: seems like a waste.
1: And, like, does he ever run out of money? Because, I mean, if people catch him enough, surely his pot of gold is dwindling.
0: That's actually another part of the folklore. That's the thing my grandmother warned me about, about don't make deals with them, Mm -hmm. is, like, most fairy folk, leprechauns are really treacherous. And making deals with them is often a really crappy idea because they're very they're tricksters. So like you're not going to get out of the deal what you think. Yeah. They do a wish master on you. Ah. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna talk first a little bit about the American leprechaun, which really is its own thing, mm-hmm. uh, and talk a little bit about where that image comes from. Also, uh, I believe you have some sightings.
1: I have one sighting.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> and then we'll talk a little bit about how they relate to Irish culture and Irish folklore, and sort of how that got to where we are now. hmm Because I think there's a lot of misconceptions about leprechauns. I can guarantee there is, because I had a ton of misconceptions in doing my research. Yeah. So in America, the leprechaun is sort of like the patron of St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. It's the Santa Claus, Easter Bunny kind of thing. Uh, I think insofar as like in The Nightmare Before Christmas, when he goes to the forest with the holiday doors. St. Patrick's Day has the four-leaf clover on there, and I have to imagine that that door is filled with leprechauns. (laughs) Only leprechauns. Only. Like, you open it and they fall out like sporting equipment (laughs) all over the place. In America, they're also a symbol of Ireland and of just Irish culture in general. Even if you were to go to, like, Irish-themed pubs around here... Mm They have leprechauns in them for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. And we have a lot of brands here in America. I don't know if they exist in Europe, but we have a lot of brands here that use leprechauns as sort of the a symbol, you know, a mascot. Yeah. Besides the leprechaun franchise of films, <laughs> which we already talked about, uh, there's also the Fighting Irish uh, mascot is a leprechaun. Yeah. Which I think is really weird that they're called the Fighting Irish and there's a leprechaun as their symbol. I think that's just weird.
1: Yeah, and rude.
0: Yeah, I mean, it'd be be like if we had a, uh, like, a Premier League soccer team that was, like, the American team, and they were just called, like, the Fighting Americans, and it was a Sasquatch. (laughs) it wouldn't make any sense. You know what? I like that. I like it. I'm just saying it doesn't make sense.
1: But, like, it would have a Karen haircut, and... (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Well, it's American.
0: And also, like, Lucky from the Lucky Charms cereal brand.
1: Did you actually hear about uh, Lucky's... Here we go. Did you actually hear about Lucky's evil twin? No. He was tragically malicious. Oh,
0: like magically delicious. Tragically. Thank you for explaining my Well, joke. I don't know. I just said I don't know if they have that cereal all over the world. That might just be an American cereal.
1: Everyone knows Lucky Charms.
0: I feel like I would be pissed off if I was an Irish person and I saw that in a supermarket in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> Not trying to speak for our Irish listeners, but let us know... What do you think about the Lucky Charms brand of cereal? Mm-hmm. Basically, it's the, the the personification, I think, of leprechauns as an American folklore item.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Which is weird, because they're not American. Like, we see them as an Irish thing. Yeah. But they are American, because they don't exist in this way outside of America. Mm-hmm. Uh, like fortune cookies. Like, yeah. Like you had said the other day. So he, Lucky, the, the Lucky Charms leprechaun, he has the kids are always after his Lucky Charms. He's constantly trying to get away from them while they're trying to catch him, like, it has a lot of- he has magic, like, it has a lot of the same tropes that we normally associate with the folklore of a leprechaun.
1: Also, side note, um, he has magic, but he can't stop these kids from stealing its lucky charms?
0: <laughs> That's true, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> they're always after him, and he is magical. Why aren't they in school? Like, why do they have <laughs> stuff going on?
1: Do You only hunt leprechauns in the summer.
0: That could be it, or they're in Ireland as like an exchange program thing. Hmm. I don't know how that gives them more free time. But.
1: <laughs> so I have one Reddit sighting and then one banana sighting.
0: Okay, I feel like I know what the bananas sighting is, but let's hear it.
1: It's the Crichton Leprechaun.
0: Oh, like Michael Crichton, writer of Jurassic Park? Absolutely not.
1: It's a supposed sighting of a leprechaun in a tree in Crichton, a neighborhood of Mobile, Alabama, following a 2006 news report filed at a local NBC affiliate. The video was posted to YouTube on St. Patrick's Day and became one of the first viral YouTube videos. Basically, there's a bunch of people screaming that there's a leprechaun in a tree, and there's this amazing picture, like, drawing of him. I've
0: seen the drawing.
1: It's... It's Chef's Kiss. You gotta look it up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The leprechaun from this sighting you're talking about, he looks like, uh, it looks like one of the Fraggles from Fraggle Rock. Yeah. Or like a Womble. (laughs) (laughs) I remember when that happened, and I remember very distinctly the guy that they interviewed. Yeah. Who was like, he was losing his mind. He was so (laughs) excited about the leprechaun. Yeah. So, what do you think about that one?
1: Oh man, that... They were very excited, and I don't want to take away from that.
0: So what do you think goes into... Because, I mean, obviously they didn't see a leprechaun. Uh, (laughs) Spoiler alert. They could be listening. (laughs) Well, I doubt it, but maybe. (laughs) So, spoiler alert, they didn't see a leprechaun. And I think as we talk more about what leprechauns are, Mm -hmm. the idea that anyone could possibly have seen one will become a little bit more ridiculous. Yeah. But they don't really have any evidence in this story, mm-hmm. other than a bunch of people saying they saw one, and then when they drew it, it was like, I had to be told that that was a leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think happened that made all these people claim to see the same thing?
1: Probably like a mass hysteria kind of thing that like they all just saw. Like one person was probably just stoned and saw something in a tree, and then people started going crazy. Yeah. One of the people who got interviewed for the news said that it was probably a crackhead. <laughs> <laughs> that was said on live news.
0: Honestly, though, that's like that's so real. Like, <laughs> just like, what do you think it was? Like, it's a crackhead. Like, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think it's probably mass hysteria. Sort of a uh, like Emperor's New Clothes sort of fear of exclusion. Yeah, you know, everyone wants to be in on who saw the leprechaun. <laughs> Especially when the news crews show up, because yeah. now you want them to have a reason to talk to you too. Oh yeah, I saw leprechaun. <laughs>
1: And then YouTube puts their whole album on your phone, and it's like, whatever.
0: <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that sounded oddly specific. Yeah, so the Mobile, Alabama Leprechaun, we don't believe that that was a real thing. I don't think anybody believes that that was a real thing.
1: <laughs> I think if anyone is listening from Mobile, Al- I cannot pronounce Mobile, Alabama.
0: It's a very complicated word, Mobile. I understand. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> with the combination of Alabama after that, I have no idea.
0: Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's how most sentences work with its like consonant, vowels, syllables following each other. And you see how often people talk. So obviously it's pretty hard. I understand. I'm quitting the podcast.
1: <laughs> this is it. I'm done. I'll find another podcast who appreciates my puns and sentence structure. Cause I'm always switching it up. Is she going to lisp? Maybe. Who knows?
0: I love your loose interpretation of the word structure here.
1: Oh, my God. Does anyone, who adopt, does anyone want to adopt me as um, an extra podcaster? You don't have to pay me. You can send me some chips or something. I don't
0: pay you.
2: No, you buy groceries. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I feed you.
1: And that's all I really need. Like, send me some some chocolate and we could we could talk. <laughs> I mean, I can't, but. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you have another sighting.
1: Yes, this is from Reddit. I was living in an apartment in a small eastern Oklahoma town. Me and my then-fiancé were in our bedroom playing grab-ass or whatever on the bed. It says this. Essentially just fucking around, playing play wrestling, goofing off, BSing, etc. There's a lot of this in this story. I don't know why it's in it. This
0: sounds like a 13-year-old wrote it. Yeah. They're like, we were hanging out, but that sounds boring, so... I was grabbing her boobs. I was... (laughs) I was with a girl once.
1: (laughs) We were having a grand old time being younger kids in love, early 20s. Our bed was pushed back to the back wall and there was a closet on the opposite wall, called South Wall and the bed was on the north. And the doorway out to the hallway was on the south wall end to the room, but was on the west wall, if that makes sense or even matters. It does
0: not. Okay, it says if it even matters. It's your story, bro.
1: (laughs) Anyway, on the west wall near the door to the hallway was a dresser, so it partially blocked the bottom half of the doorway from the view from our bed. We were giggling and talking, and I happened to glance over to my right at the door. Lower down, peeking its head around the dresser was the head of a little man. It didn't quite look as purposely scary as the leprechaun on the cover of that crappy B-movie leprechaun. Which, side note,
0: how dare you? B-movie? Jennifer Aniston was in that. Right? Warwick Davis was in that. He was in Willow and the Harry Potter films. What have you been in, sir? Grabass. that's it? Apparently. You've been in a room with very bizarre dimensions. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I digress, <laughs> but was close enough that the best way to describe his face and height, I could see its face and a hand that it was using to touch the dresser with it as it looked around the dresser. I want to add, this is just weird writing.
0: Yeah, you're not reading it weird. Like it's, I can see your, I can see it in your face. You're struggling to comprehend the sentences. <laughs> yeah, this is what it's like editing you.
1: <laughs> My adoption thing is legit. Like, please adopt me for your podcast. <laughs> I remember the evil-looking smile the most. It had a big grin on its face as it looked at us. I can't remember what the hair was like or see much else besides the head in the hand but the smile was what stood out. All of this happened in a second or so. Because I glanced over there, my head was already turning back to my fiancé. I had to take a double take but it was not there when I looked back. I immediately thought my mind was seeing things but this was very unusual and very specific. I was not in a spooky mood and the outline of the dresser was very flat so there was nothing that protruded out that would trick my eyes. I was so sure of what I saw my fiance noticed and stopped goofing around with her so suddenly. She asked what? I whispered that I saw something and to keep talking and laughing like we had been so whatever it was would not suspect I was onto it. I tried to rationalize it and thought maybe it was a man or a midget haha or something that was in my apartment cause what else would it be? I checked the door and nothing was there. My head was pounding, and my tongue tasted funny. (laughs) What? I'm guessing the adrenaline. I grabbed the 12-gauge- I'm guessing the
0: MDMA they were on.
1: (laughs) I grabbed the 12-gauge shotgun out of the closet and checked the entire apartment, bottom floor apartment, and saw nothing at all. All the doors and windows were still locked, and I could find no other places of entry. And then this part. I would also like to add that I am agnostic atheist and pretty big skeptic as well. I generally look for rational explanations, but beyond my mind randomly making this up for unknown reasons, I have no idea what happened. Nothing like that before or since. I was in my mid-early twenties then, and I'm 34 now. It's been so long since then and nothing like it has happened to me since, so it doesn't bother me like it used to. As the memory fades little by little, it's easier to comfort myself and say it was just my eyes playing tricks on me. 10 years ago, though, that would not have been the case. Anyways, reading up on it again, and I read that it roughly translates to Gnome's Valley, which made me think of what I'd seen those years back, a small man. I think if you know where I'm going, what if the Vikings or whoever engraved that stone named the area Gnome's for a reason? Oh, I missed a part. So they... Um, updated in 2020 from whenever they wrote this. Okay. It said so. I live in a town in at so this town that I lived in at the time was near a rune stone that while some claim it's fake, others claim it's real from 1200 A.D. Give or take. Oklahoma- Where does this person live? Oklahoma.
0: Okay, that's fake.
1: <laughs> Oklahoma even made the area around it a state park for a long time. Anyways, reading up on it again, and read that it likely roughly translates to Gnomes Valley which made me think of what I've seen all those years back, a small man. I think you know where I'm going. What if the Vikings or whoever engraved that stone named the area Gnome's Valley for a reason? They saw what I saw, maybe? I don't know. I read it and thought it was super coincidental. <laughs> okay. Do you think that maybe these two were fooling around and some weirdo was just in their house
0: watching them? Oh, God. <laughs> that, that definitely would make the most sense. Yeah. So I have, like, obviously a ton of of issues with this account. (laughs) (laughs) Let's start with some weird details that he gives for no reason. Okay. One, he says he's an atheist agnostic. Those Those are are different. (laughs) Yes, they are. (laughs) Those are very different. For the people that don't know, atheist is you believe in nothing whatsoever, Mm -hmm. uh, faith-wise. And agnostic is that you're you're unconvinced. You're yeah. open to the idea of something being there, some cosmic being, but you're not convinced by it. You can't be both of those things at the same time. The next thing I have a weird issue with is this gnomes valley. Yeah. First of all, whatever rune stone he's talking about that's in Oklahoma, I guarantee it's fake. Yeah. It's just there's no archaeological evidence that Vikings made it that far into the country. Yeah. At any point.
1: And no one goes to Oklahoma anyway.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Also, gnomes are not, to my knowledge, a Scandinavian thing. Yeah. Those are more uh, like Germany. And uh, I know they sort of pop up in Great Britain a little bit. Mm -hmm. But that's more of like a Germanic. I mean, I understand that some Scandinavian cultures have some Germanic roots. Yeah. But gnomes, as far as I know, are not like a Viking thing uh also there were no vikings in 1200 AD like (laughs) uh I mean there were let's not let's not be inaccurate there were vikings but not like what he's thinking of he's thinking of like the vikings the like from like the third century like he's thinking of something totally different also he's fooling around with a girl in his apartment Mm -hmm. he sees what appears to be a small man smiling at him (laughs) from behind his dresser and he tells her hey I saw something but don't act don't react i don't want to spook it i would jump the fuck up out of my bed right if especially if i had a gun handy or if i thought there could be a person in my apartment i'm jumping right the hell up (laughs) i mean like if i'm watching tv and i look over and i think i see something and i look again and it's not there i'll go okay my brain is fallible yeah but he was so certain he saw something he got a gun He searched the apartment. Like that level of certainty, I'm not just going to go, hey, play it cool. I think I saw a midget in the apartment (laughs) spying on us and rubbing the dresser. Uh, That's bananas to me. That's a weird behavior. But also, the thing that really takes me out of this story altogether- I didn't even get in the story. (laughs) (laughs) Is uh, when he talks about his age now, Mm -hmm. and he talks about the memory fading.
1: He's only 34.
0: So here's the crazy thing about memories. Memories degrade actually pretty quickly. We don't think they do because memories seem to last a long time. And the degradation of a memory doesn't actually have anything to do with how well you remember it. It's actually with the details of the memory itself. As the pieces of the memory start to fade, your brain will actually just fill in the gaps that are missing and make shit up. So the further back a memory is, the less accurate the memory is so when people go oh i remember it like it was yesterday they probably don't actually they just think they do because as the memory has deteriorated their brain has made stuff up to fill in the gaps that's why you remember certain things a certain way from years ago and then you see them again And it's different. Mm -hmm. It's literally because the memory you have isn't really right. Uh, So even if it was only 10 or 15 years ago, that's plenty of time for that memory to sufficiently degrade for details to get added in, for details to be changed. So I
1: feel like if I saw a little man watching me as I was hooking up, I feel like that's a memory you would hold on to pretty tight.
0: You know, you, you'll hold on to the memory, but it's just a natural function of the brain to just sort of filter out crap it doesn't need. Mm-mm. So memories like that will kind of degrade over time, especially since he hadn't thought of it in a long time. Ah. And then he starts remembering it again, and it's an old memory, so he's his brain is filling in the He should gaps. have just
1: kept writing in myself like Memento. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't forget the leprechaun. <laughs> Don't forget the little person. Or
1: like um, Doctor
0: Who. Yeah. Just leave it. Yeah, yeah. Bad little man, just written everywhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, this is, he thought he saw something, he didn't really see something, and many years have gone by, and he's, you know, trying to piece together some kind of evidence, (laughs) I don't know. But also the fact that he says, I thought it was, uh, what did he say at the end about it being a coincidence? He said it was, like, way too coincidental.
1: Like him living near the Gnome Valley. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Also, seeing a connection between those two things, we talked about that in a previous episode, Mm -hmm. how uh, apophenia is creating connections where there are none, and believing that there is a connection, but then to then describe it as very coincidental, you're admitting that it is very much not connected, that it is just a coincidence. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I have tons of problems with that. That was a really bizarro story. What do you think about it?
1: I think there might have been a legal recreational drugs
0: yeah i agree with that i definitely think there was some recreational drugs happening because i mean this story was probably late 90s early 2000s so i mean it's it's not unreasonable that they were on some pretty weird (laughs) drugs especially in oklahoma there's nothing to do in oklahoma (laughs) there's nothing to do in oklahoma sorry for all of our oklahoma listeners i'm not telling you anything you don't know (laughs) uh we live just north of oklahoma I've been there three times. I remember it because it's a blank space in my memory
3: where nothing happened.
1: (laughs) Real quick, though, before we, like, you know, get going. Um, your brother actually wanted me to give you a message. We could just edit this out if, like, you know, I should have told you before we started uh, recording.
0: (laughs) I despise surprises.
1: Um, (laughs) what do you call a dog (laughs) that does illusions? What? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a cadaver door
0: <laughs> you know what sucks is I can't actually tell if that came from him or not because it sounds like something he would say and it also sounds like something you would say
1: he couldn't come up with a leprechaun joke so he sent that one to me
0: <laughs> well done you dick <laughs> as soon as you started you were like before we get going and I was like here we fucking go <laughs> 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 So, that's a very general, I think, overview of leprechauns in America. I mean, obviously, sightings of them are few and far between. Yeah. Because they're not real. But also, the idea of what a leprechaun is, is really built out of some of the things I'm about to talk about. Mm -hmm. We associate them as Americans with Ireland and with Irish culture. Yeah. So, we're going to talk a little bit about what they actually mean to the Irish and to Irish culture.
1: But real quick, um, a leprechaun walks into a bar... I guess it wasn't set very high.
0: (laughs) That one's so stupid. Oh, that took me a second. Well done. Thank you. So, as it turns out, um, they have no cultural significance to the Irish. Uh, Leprechauns in Ireland aren't really a thing. They don't really appear in Irish folklore. They appear so sparingly that it's kind of amazing what they mean to the Americans in terms of Irish culture. Yeah. It's really wild. So there's a couple of different stories that um, have some details, which I think were sort of like the springboard for the American Leprechaun. Yeah. Because all the, the folklore and stuff that we have for them, it came from somewhere. Um, and I've... Out of our brains. So I looked through a lot of sources, and I watched a lot of videos, and I've come well, up with... Oh, my name's
1: Jerry. I do research.
0: I, I work at home, so I basically just have my work computer and then my non-work computer, next to each other and i just play youtube videos <laughs> on my non-work computer and so that's that's how i'm, I'm spending eight hours a day absorbing information play about your co are going to hear this <laughs> oh yeah whoops that's how i have the time to absorb you know information about things that aren't real i've picked three different stories which i think had the greatest impact on the leprechaun as we know it uh, the one i want to start with is from a story called the saga of fergus mcclety he was a king of Ulster a long, long time ago, and basically the it's a, it's just a hero's saga. And in the story, he wakes up on an island, and he is being dragged into the water by three tiny men. And he scoops them all up in his hand, and he basically barters- Those their, are tiny men. <laughs> yeah, right? Like They're <laughs> like action figures. Uh, and he barters their freedom for wishes.
1: What kind of person or people just steal creatures and be like, you're going to do something for me?
0: To be fair, they were trying to drown him.
1: I'm just saying, between genies and leprechauns and stuff, like, my first instinct is not to be like, oh, I got him now. What's in it for me? Like, I don't.
0: (laughs) I think it's a clever device used in these old hero sagas. To help the hero obtain something. And the writer's like, how would he get it? Uh, What if he just got some, he just wished for it?
1: (laughs) I try like the djinn because like they're trying to get one up on the djinn. Like, oh no, no, no.
0: Yeah. And they really are, leprechauns and djinn occupy to me the same kind of space in folklore where they're highly misunderstood. They have some association, some association with wish granting. Mm -hmm. And it is treacherous to make deals with either of them. Yeah. Difference is is that jinn are a much bigger deal than we think they are <laughs> in Arabic culture, and leprechauns are way less of a deal than we think they are. Ah. Uh, and these creatures, these leprechauns that he encounters, uh, Fergus, uh, they at the time they're called lucherpain, not leprechauns. And there's a lot of debate about what this word means. Uh, some sources say that lucherpain means little people or um, small body. Uh, but there's others that think it means uh, small, stooping loo. And this comes from an ancient Irish story about the Tueta de Danan. I apologize for the pronunciation there. <laughs> it's a really complicated phrase to say. Basically, the, it was a tribe of gods, these ancient gods that kind of showed up in Ireland and set up shop there. And one of them was this warrior god, the god of light and of the sun. Brutal. Uh, Lu. Yeah, he was a really cool character. Well, his name was Lu? Well, it's L-U-G-H. So um. it's more like Lu, like with a little bit of a at the end. I was thinking
1: like, like Lu. Yeah, Lu. Like Lu plays you baseball. Know,
0: Lu. Yeah. <laughs> Lu, the god of the sun. Uh, <laughs> but it was like Lu. Like oh. there's a little bit of a, a sound that I'm not good at making <laughs> that goes into it. Ah. And he was a master of crafts of all kinds, and he was known for being kind of a trickster. I have a really great book on Celtic folklore and mythology that tells, like, a lot of his story. And he is, like, he's the sort of, like, clever trickster king that outsmarts his enemies and stuff like that. Until, eventually, he is killed, he dies, and... That's (laughs) usually hand in hand. (laughs) Well, gods don't always die when they're killed. Sometimes they come back. He's a god. <laughs> but after Luke dies, the rest of the gods are sort of driven from their homes by these invaders uh, to the Shi Mountains. And they become known as the As-Shi, which is like the people of the mountains. And their legends, the stories about these gods, eventually get sort of transformed into what we now know as fairy stories about the little people. And the little people, in all of their many forms sort of become caricatures of the old gods. Mm-hmm. And some people think that Lou became the Lucrepane, this sort of stooped, you know, old man with a cane, as sort of a parody of his old self, and that pain eventually became Leprechaun. Uh, this is the, the theory, at least. Yeah. And this actually makes a lot of sense, because the as Christianity encroached upon Ireland, it would make sense that the old gods would become more and more diminished in folklore uh, I think if at one point in your life something that was very important to you that represented you and your culture like the gods became this sort of diminutive thing fairy stories that you didn't take seriously you might kind of you know let it go and kind of get with the new religion mm-hmm. uh, at least that's my theory <laughs> I wasn't there <laughs>
1: you're pretty old I mean
0: Wow <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'm with you so this is sort of a cradle robbing situation <laughs> That's not true, by the way, listeners. She is, like, a year younger than me. <laughs> in in human years. In dog years, I'm, like, 50 years older than you. <laughs> yes. Uh, and that's one of the other stories that uh, sort of influenced where the, the character comes from. Sort of the trickster... Uh, characteristic and the being a person. Another story, one of the reasons that I believe that leprechauns are not really taken very seriously in terms of Irish folklore, why they're not really a big deal, they don't really bother with them, is because they're just one fairy among many types of fairies. There's lots of little people in Irish folklore that have all kinds of niche specializations <laughs> and jobs. Uh, one is the clericon, which was like this sort of perpetually drunk house spirit that looked after your wine cellar and your beer
1: oh i love that yeah
0: like are they taking applications like (laughs) that sounds rad can you imagine being a little person and they're like yeah sorry you got assigned to be a clericon i'd be like
1: fuck yeah yeah
0: deuces how do you
1: get them in your house
0: i think you have to have a wine cellar or like a beer cellar or something like that
1: what if it's just under our house
0: what if we just bury some wine bottles in the yard (laughs) Like, it's basically a seller. Go get it. <laughs> uh, and some people think this has uh, some influence over the leprechaun image. Because mm-hmm. uh, leprechauns are traditionally shown to be drinkers. They like beer. There is another story that had a really heavy influence on the American leprechaun. But to understand why it had such a heavy influence, we need to talk a little bit about the melting pot. Which was sort of a turn-of-the-century event when... It's never fondue, uh, is it? when lots of people immigrants from different countries were coming to america and integrating into our culture so we kind of realized that the melting pot was kind of a bad idea that the whole idea of melting everyone together into one sort of homogenized group of people meant that they had to integrate by stripping a lot of the things from their own culture that made them unique uh During this time when the melting pot was going on, uh, the Irish immigrants that came to America had to deal with a lot of xenophobia, which we now call real heavy-duty fucking racism. Some bullshit. Yeah, it was some bullshit. They were treated really poorly when they came here. They were seen absolutely as second-class citizens. It wasn't really uncommon to see signs outside of businesses that said, like, you know, help wanted, apply within, Irish need not apply.
1: That makes no sense.
0: Well, I think like all racism and prejudice, it makes no sense. Well,
1: yeah. Okay,
0: yeah. Like, racism Fair. never makes any sense. <laughs> As a way to combat this in in a in any kind of way, St. Patrick's Day became much more inclusive. It became a holiday that didn't just celebrate St. Patrick, but everything Irish. Mm-hmm. This was helped along. That's really good marketing. You're telling me, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because now, like, I mean, what do you hear on St. Patrick's Day in America all the time? Everyone's Irish today.
1: Kiss me, I'm Irish. Kiss me,
0: I'm Irish. Pinch me, I'm not wearing green. All kinds of crap. Uh, Everyone goes out and drinks green beer. We have corned beef and cabbage. Like, all kinds of things I'm sure are super culturally insensitive in some way. (laughs) But it's part of the American version of this holiday. So in 1903, there was a book published called Darby O'Gill and the Little People. And it was about an old Irishman, Darby O'Gill, who makes a deal with the King of the Little People. And it has lots of cool stuff from Irish folklore. There's Banshee in it, who kind of acts in a Grim Reaper kind of capacity. And there's the whole concept of making wishes, uh, having leprechauns grant wishes, I mean. And the colors that they wear, like a lot of the stuff we associate with leprechauns came from this book. This book also served as one of the first exposures that many Americans had to Irish culture, uh, which blows my mind that Irish people had been moving here for, you know, decades, had been living and working in America. And this book in 1903, which is really not that long ago, that was the first time that people were like, oh, so that's what their lives were like in Ireland. Uh, And this book served um, a lot of good because it did help sort of to uh, ingratiate the Irish community to the larger American community. It helped to associate Irish immigrants with the Leprechauns, who became sort of this cultural avatar for the Irish. Mm. And they showed a lot of characteristics that were non-threatening to people. They were fun-loving. They were sort of endearing in their own way. Happy-go-lucky. Like, there wasn't really a whole lot not to like about them. Yeah. I think if I was an immigrant who basically found signs in the town that I lived in that said, if you are this kind of person, don't even bother applying, I would latch right the hell on to something that seemed friendly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I would latch right the hell on to an image that painted me in a friendly light. Yeah, I don't blame them for being like, oh yeah, luck of the Irish, let's (laughs) do a jig. Like, I totally get it.
1: Jared just did, uh... Jig. I actually did
0: do, I didn't do a jig because I just used my arms, but I did the upper portion of yeah. what I imagined to be a jig. I have, like, negative five dancing skills, so...
1: <laughs> Next time I'm definitely taking, like, a boomerang of this and posting
0: it to our Instagram. Yeah, it'll be part of our divorce proceedings. <laughs> <laughs> but the leprechauns that kind of grew out of this story helped to endear the Irish to the American public, and St. Patrick's Day just, you know, kind of snowballed that until eventually leprechauns became what we see today uh the wearing the green the the pot of gold the granting wishes the sort of jolly you know drunks that they they seem to be that all came from this book this sort of campaign to change the public's view of the irish and open saint patrick's day up to be a more inclusive holiday that celebrated the irish rather than creating an us and them kind of you know holiday Mm mm-hmm this had a, this was a double-edged sword, though, because it's, while the leprechauns had all of these great positive qualities that were now associated with the Irish, there's lots of negative stereotypes about the Irish that the leprechauns portray. They are greedy. They are lazy. They're liars. They're tricksters. They're drunks. There's a lot of things about them that are, you know, I would not want to be associated with. And I don't know if you read American Gods. Yeah, you did.
1: I got through a couple chapters.
0: Oh, okay. So you read some of it. Yeah. Even there in a, a modern retelling of some old mythology, because I don't think I have to tell anybody that Celtic mythology is not represented at large mm-hmm. in the Western world. Uh, if it's Greek or if it's Norse, we'll see it everywhere. Yeah. I mean, even Egyptian mythology gets its day.
1: There's a whole store in Las Vegas just to Egypt stuff that you can buy.
0: Yeah. Celtic mythology, not so much. So I was hoping going into the American Gods book that there would be some kind of nod to the very rich and very brutal Celtic mythology. And there is a leprechaun named Mad Sweeney, who is sort of a rogue with a heart of gold kind of character. He's a thug. He's also, he likes to fight. He's a drunk and kind of a junkie. And eventually he, he dies from his, you know, abuse of earthly substances. He also like, owes Odin, like, a coin or something that he's obsessed with. And, like, you can see, like, he's not great at paying his debts. Like, he's a shithead. Like, yeah. This was a time when lots of mythological figures were being portrayed in unique and interesting ways in this work. But leprechauns basically just got to be leprechauns. The, you know, like, they're like, oh, no, he's a leprechaun. He's a, he's a piece of shit. Like...
1: Yeah, obviously he's going to do this.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that uh, I was reading on Reddit some Irish people talking about leprechauns and... The one comment I read that really stuck out to me was a guy that uh, he has moved here from Ireland and he went into an Irish-themed pub and he saw a leprechaun on the wall. And he said that he always kind of cringes a little bit when he sees those because he understands that on some level, that is supposed to be him. That that is what the image of an Irish person is to a lot of Americans. It's rough. It's super rough. (laughs) I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing because it's so uncomfortable. (laughs) What leprechauns represent to Americans, I think, says a lot about how Irish people are portrayed in media in general and how Irish Americans see themselves. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I grew up in an Irish American family, just like you, and they, Irish Americans, they, they like to stick together. Yeah. And they do have this sort of idea that they're kind of like the cockroaches of America, like that they—it's okay for them to be sort of unsophisticated, or for them to be a little rough around the edges, or for them to even be sort of petty criminals. Like it's almost—I seem- feel like
1: um, that's just living in New Jersey. <laughs>
0: but I mean, New Jersey has a pretty healthy population of Irish Americans.
1: Fair, yeah.
0: And it just seems like when you're identified with certain characteristics, mm-hmm. if you are identified with alcoholism, or if you're identified with being a liar or being tricksy, it can affect the way you view yourself. If, if that's what your, if that's how your culture is represented, not saying that, not saying the leprechauns are a representation of Irish culture or Irish American culture, because they're really not. But they do inform a little bit of your self identity uh, when you're an Irish American. I mean, I'm not going to pretend that uh, Irish people are painted in a great light in movies. Whenever you watch movies where there's Irish characters. They're either super charming kind of rogues, or they're like grunt muscle thugs. <laughs> they're very rarely like heroes. They're more of a, a caricature. Yeah. Uh, they're they're all in some way leprechauns, <laughs> in 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 one way or another. Mm-hmm. So that's where the American image of the leprechaun comes from. It's a very unique piece of folklore because. We don't see them as American. We see them as Irish, but they're not Irish at all. They are American in this form, because in Ireland, they're really not a thing. And that is amazing. Yeah,
1: it's weird.
0: So what is your opinion of leprechaun?
1: American or Irish? Just in general. I think Americans do that thing where they take something that's interesting and then they wreck it. (laughs) How do you mean? Because, like, they they take, you know, cool, like, fairies and stuff like that, and then they have to make it something that they can control or they can get something from. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We tend to overgeneralize things, too. Mm -hmm. I think it is, uh, I think control is probably a great way to put it. That it is easier to, um, feel comfortable with something if you can put a label on it and then kind of pin it down. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, I don't believe leprechauns are real. Um, they're not even real. I mean, forget, like, physical specimens. Like, they're barely real as folklore creatures. Yeah. Because they don't register. And I think that's really why Darby Ogill and the Little People features them so heavily, is because they didn't really, there wasn't really any stories about them. So it was kind of like fair game. Like, th- there's no mythology to screw up. So you can kind of say whatever you want about them. Yeah. I think that's where that license came from.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, now, if you haven't seen it, there is... I think it's like 1957. I could be wrong. But I think 1957, Disney did a live-action film adaptation of Darby O'Gill and the Little People. And the effects in it are mind-blowing. Uh, the The effects of the, the big people near the little people, mm-hmm. is just... It's crazy. It's so good. Like, really check it out. Um, if you're Irish, you know... Uh, Check it out at your own discretion. I'm not going to recommend it because I don't know how offensive it might be. Uh, Very young Sean Connery is in it. Yeah. And he has really big teeth and he sings very weirdly. (laughs) Because the ADR on it is just horrendous. So that's really all we have for the Leprechaun. I definitely encourage people to do their own research about this. And I mean, really any of the subjects that we talk about. Yeah. I don't think that a... Not Sinkhole Sam, though. He's so boring. Do your own research. You're not going to get anywhere. We've told you everything (laughs) there is to know about Sinkhole Sam. Uh, We still haven't gone out there yet, but it's... The pandemic has gotten a little bit crazy around here, so it's not as easy to go out and travel as it once was. But really, any of the things we talk about, we do encourage you to do your own research. I don't want this amateur podcast to be your primary source of information about any of these things (laughs) especially when you have something like the leprechaun which is such an important part of the history of irish people in america and (laughs) learning about it really can i think it can really change the way you might view ireland and the irish people yeah the same thing goes for the gin because we did we had that poll where it was like gin or leprechauns and everyone wanted gin, and the people who wanted leprechauns were Irish, so I was like, oh, this is important. We have to take this very seriously. That's part of the reason it took forever to get this episode done. Yeah. Was we, we I wanted to make sure we you know we touched all the important points. <laughs> I don't know if we did.
1: <laughs> we
0: tried. We, do what, we did our best.
1: It's, it's 11 o'clock at night. Give it the
0: old college try. <laughs> but the gin was the same way, where there's a lot of misinformation about it, and learning about it can only bring you a better understanding of the world that we live in, and the leprechaun is the same way. Uh, I still like the popular American image of the leprechaun, but after doing the research for this episode, I view it very differently, not just as a sort of uh, undeserved cultural avatar for the Irish people, mm-hmm. but as kind of a an American piece of folklore. I yeah. don't see it as Irish anymore, really. So we have a recommendation.
1: Yes. So, last week we had a very nice review. It turns out it came from, um... It came from Carlotta Diaz. No. Oh,
0: yeah. So, to clarify, the, the review did not come last week. We read it in our last episode. Mm-hmm. The review actually came quite a while back, but we couldn't see it. Yeah. I, I found it through a, a third-party resource. And it was... Her name on there was Card F7.
1: Yeah, something like that. So, um... Look her up on Instagram. Her art makes me feel so bad about myself because she's so talented that, like, how one person gets (laughs) that much talent is horrendously unfair.
0: Yeah, yeah. But her handle is
1: Carlotta Carlotta Diaz Art.
0: Yeah. She does these wonderful drawings. Uh, My favorite one so far has been she did, like, a a series of drawings of Audrey Hepburn.
1: Yeah.
2: That
0: were just so. Stunning. Oh my God. Um, yeah, they were stunning. They were absolutely unbelievable. Uh, and she's done some Frank Sinatra ones, which mm-hmm. like, I kind of forgot. I listened to a lot of Frank Sinatra when I was younger. Yeah. And it, you know, I sort of fell out of it as you grow And I was looking at them and I was, I started listening to Frank Sinatra again. <laughs> and I was like, holy crap. Like these are really phenomenal. She's a very talented artist and she's putting her work out there. So go give her some love. Go take yeah. a look at her stuff. I'm going to put a link on Twitter. And Instagram to her Instagram page. Yeah. Uh and we'll p-
1: so you can feel bad about yourself, but also really appreciate some art.
0: Yeah, like as someone who draws a bit, like I'll draw something and go, all right, that looks awesome. And then I'll look at hers and I just want to throw all my art supplies away. <laughs> I'm like, who am I kidding?
1: <laughs> like one time I painted um like the fallout guy for you. Yeah. And I thought it was an amazing piece of art. Mm-hmm. And then I look at stuff like that and I'm like, I'm a fucking sh.
0: I think that that is the mark of a great artist is to people look at it and go, "How the f- did you do that?" Yeah, totally. Yeah, she's amazing. Definitely yeah. go ahead and check it out. This is going to be a first for us. Yes. Because not only is it a recommendation, but we get to play their promo. On oh, that's the so show. exciting! <laughs> it's really exciting. So, if you've never heard of them, which I have no idea how you've never heard of them, we have mentioned them on previous episodes. Mm-hmm. There's a wonderful podcast called Super Duper Stitious with Jake and Wyatt. They are a pair of scientists who, I believe their background is in biology, who look at cases of the strange and unusual, just like us, but unlike us, they are far more qualified. (laughs) So uh, you should definitely check them out. They took a little hiatus in recording, but they're back in action. Yeah, They're incredibly funny, incredibly uh, knowledgeable. Their depth of knowledge is bananas.
1: So they're like the exact opposite of our podcast.
0: They're what I thought our podcast would be like.
1: But then you did it with me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, then I remembered neither of us are scientists or particularly smart. So I was like, I listened to the, um, they did a really great one. um, I mean, they've done a a ton of great ones. They did a really great episode about the bloop. It's a a sound in the ocean. Mm -hmm. And just listening to them examine it, I was like, oh, we have no business doing this. (laughs) So we're going to play their promo for you right
3: now. Hey, Wyatt. Oh, hey, Jake. You ever get so scared you giggle? Yeah, yes, I do. Huh. Well, you ever giggled so hard you learned? Totally. Really? In that case, you ever learned so much you got scared? Yes. And if you're like me, you should check out Super Duper Stitious. A comedy podcast about the science of the spooky. I'm Jake. And I'm Wyatt. We're a couple of scientists with a fondness for the creepy and the strange. Join us as we tell tales of the bizarre before breaking things down to the power of science. Do we have an answer for everything? No. But we do have a great time pondering it all, and hopefully you will too. You'll laugh, you'll learn, you'll love it. Check out Super Duper anywhere podcasts are found. We'll see you there. See ya.
0: So that's their very awesome promo. God, their voices are so good. Yeah, Wyatt has this wonderfully buttery voice.
1: Buttery. That's how I was going to describe their voices.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm sorry for us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we actually just recorded a promo. A lot of people downloaded it, which I apologize if you thought that we had put out a new episode and it was just our terrible promo. Uh,
1: I liked our promo. I thought I, it was
0: sweet. I liked our promo, but I made the mistake of listening to their promo and then ours. Oh, yeah. That's not and a good idea. And I was like, idea. oh, they're professionals. <laughs> <laughs> and they have butter. And they have buttery voices. We have grit. <laughs> we have growl. <laughs> they also have one of the best theme songs ever. Mm-hmm. I love their theme music. It's really, really good. So go ahead and check them out. That is super duper stitches. They are available anywhere that there are podcasts available. They are really funny. And like I said, super knowledgeable. Uh, the... Least that'll happen is you'll laugh your ass off. The best that'll happen is you'll learn something. Buttery. Buttery. And if you like this episode, you can follow us on Twitter at Hardly Paranormy with Y, uh, Or on Instagram at Hardly Paranormal, which is where I am the most active. Or you can join our Facebook group on Hardly Paranormal. (laughs) That is where Lacey is the most active. And
1: I share jokes.
0: She does. I don't share jokes. Um, I disapprove of humor, really. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'm against it. And you can subscribe on CastBox if you get a subscription. Like, if you get a subscription. If you subscribe to us on CastBox, whenever we release a new episode, it'll automatically download to your device if you have it set up that way in your settings, which is the default setting, I think. It's a really great way to stay up to date when we have a new episode. And you can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, and we would be infinitely appreciative of that. Please, please, please. Leave us a review <laughs> on Apple Podcasts. I might not see it right away, and that's because Apple... Uh doesn't like me. <laughs> you specifically. Me specifically. And you can also follow us on Spotify. You could also leave reviews on Castbox. You can really leave reviews on Castbox. That's right. Yeah, the reviews really help us out a lot. I know we say this like every episode, but it bears repeating. The reviews are so important, and we appreciate every single one because one, it helps us with feedback, so we know what we're doing right and wrong, <laughs> and it helps more awesome people like you find more mediocre podcasts like ours. <laughs> And if you have any questions or comments, or if you want to send us suggestions for future episodes, if you'd like us to make any corrections to something we've said here that was <laughs> wrong, which I am... just s- They're going to say, like, just just delete the whole
1: episode. Just delete the podcast. I have a for the last
0: episode. Could you delete that? <laughs> uh, you can send that to us at hardlyparanormal at com. Do you have anything else for the listeners at home?
1: I got nothing. I love you,
0: though. I love you guys, too. <laughs> I love them more. I hope everyone is staying safe and sane, uh, especially to all of our American listeners, because it is getting crazy out there. <laughs> but we'll be here wasting your time <laughs> every week. I've been Jerry. I've been Lacey. And remember, it's probably just the wind. Get that.